Welcome back, everybody. This is Art Stimmel with Click here, and today we have a special guest interview. My first interview guest, actually. Her name is Sylvia Watson, and she's a lifelong learner of herbalism, folkways, permaculture principles, esotericism, and the occult. She has immersed herself into the world of intentionally slow food and farming. She is deeply connected to the peoples and the place she resides and practices place-based living deep in the mountains of Appalachia. So say hello to our first guest, Sylvia Watson. Sylvia, what's going on in your world? Um, and I've learned so much about plants and yeah. our and how beneficial so many different plants are to us as humans and you know, learned about ethical harvesting of plants, how to ask a plant before you take any part of them for medicine or food, just to, you know, and, and to give gratitude and like some kind of reciprocity back to the earth when we harvest. That's something that I've been learning slowly just by witnessing other folks doing something similar or you know sharing that kind of knowledge with me i also realized living this way that when i was a child i was basically a little baby herbalist and i didn't even know i was actively picking plants in my suburban lawn Mm -hmm. Uh, much to my mother's dismay she never could (laughs) get that perfect lawn and we always had clover and dandelions and i remember my mom used to pay us a nickel for picking dandelions before they went to seed each dandelion. It's so wild because the dandelion is like one of the most misaligned plants that there is because every single part of it is good for you. Explain. What are are some benefits of dandelion? What would you do to it to make it? So like the dandelion root is like super great for like clearing out your liver. It's a great uh, liver detox. Hmm. It also can be like a you can take the roots and you can chop them up and roast them. And it's almost like a coffee substitute. Also, the leaves of dandelions are all edible, like greens, like it's a like a little bit of a bitter greens. And they have lots of vitamin things in them. And the flowers are edible as well. My nemesis, um, glyphosate, also known as Roundup, mm. uh, right on top of their advertising and their marketing, is a picture of a dandelion. Oh, wow. You know, and here's this plant that can grow between cracks in sidewalks. It is, you know, resilient. And it's this plant that has so much value to it. And yet system of corporations that tell you it's bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or that you don't, these, you know, cute little flowers that are also edible. And I might mention that they are the first food for bees in the spring. Yeah. If it wasn't for the bees, we would all be perishing. That's right. A lot of it just keeps going back to the bees, you know. The pollinators are definitely our friends and... We have so much uh, have so much gratitude and appreciation for our pollinator friends, just honeybees, but all the different bees and wasps and butterflies and things that feed off of these plants. Started to realize that in some ways, I was just a little bit of an herbalist as a kid. I was picking plantain and clover, and I lived in a mimosa tree when I was a child. Um, mimosa, the bark. It's called the joy tree. So you can make medicine out of the bark. You can um, medicine out of the flowers. It's amazing. And grew up in this tree, but I never ate anything. I think the only thing I ever ate when I was a kid, because I was probably afraid, 
that my, I would get in trouble. Of course, my mother and my grandmother had lost all this knowledge already. Mm. Now, my granny on my dad's side, they had lived in Tennessee in Jefferson County for a long time. She was pretty elderly when I was born. She was already in her late 70s. I would imagine that she probably knew some of these folkway food and medicine and plants. They had already moved they moved to the city when I think in 1944. My grandfather started working at the Secret City. <laughs> oh, Cridge, yeah, the Manhattan yeah. Project. Build a bomb. Yeah. Build, a better, build a better bomb. <laughs> yeah, I had five uncles. My dad's the youngest of 10 kids and there was eight boys, and I had five uncles in the Pacific Theater. It's called a theater because a lot of it is just a lot of show for fear. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think world governments, corporations, are so fearful of the population? What are they trying to do to the general population? Well, you know, I think it's something that's been repeating in history for a long time. Anytime you have people start to figure out that we are super duper connected to the earth, the earth provides us with a lot of abundance of things that can heal us and help our bodies and help us to be strong in our human experience, that whenever the controlling monarchs, oligarchs, small groups of people feeling that they need had the need to control. And it goes all the way back really to like the days of like, you know, Caesar, a lot of pagans in Europe at the time, they got their power and their health and those kinds of things from the land. And there's definitely something about when six generations of a family or whatever live on a piece of land, how those people are being connected to that land through all kinds of different energy. Um, they're giving back to it in many ways through the, the birth-death cycle of all things, not just humans, but animals and those types of things. And, and so there's definitely this connection with land. Whenever you notice that there's something going on, when um, people are migrating that migration is caused by these oligarchs in my opinion mm -hmm. um or or you know back in the day monarchs there's not a lot of monarchs around but they they still exist it's because they're there's some kind of resource on folks's land usually besides food <laughs> mm -hmm. but sometimes it's food that they want to capitalize on and so it's very easy to try to create problems, chaos in those areas. To would you, get would those you think? People... Would you think the diamond industry is guilty of this? Uh, oh yeah, the, yeah, the totally. mining. Yeah, absolutely. And the only reason we think diamonds are valuable is because somebody told us that they are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, so when uh, when the control factions, corporations, governments tell masses of people certain things, and they seem trustworthy. I mean, they got white coats on, or maybe black robes. Maybe they have power and control. They have all the technology. Well, maybe they know something we don't. So let's trust our oligarch. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't trust anyone other than my own connection to Earth earthly energies and divine cotton energies, whatever people want to call that. Mm -hmm. I'm not attached to names or labels personally. So, so you know, whatever you want to call source, that, that. The source of our creation, whatever that is, that entity. That's right. And then now yeah. we have creation, but you got to wonder what happened before materialism day one. 
when there was no materialism, because obviously it's the new kid on the block. When you talk about the ether, the non-material realm, it's got to be around a lot longer. So what changed? Why do we have materialism? And this is a theory that I have. So, uh, you know, how long can you exist in your own wonderfulness and peace until you realize it's pretty boring? So the uh, the entity that made materialism just decided one day to make it. And now it's like a big jacket that it puts on over itself and lives in it. And we are that jacket and we're one with the one that made us type of thing. Absolutely. And so that means we're also one with the earth, which is also this living and breathing entity that we can pull power from. Right. And so that all goes back to the conversation we were having before about food. It's all energetic. So when seed was lovingly planted by somebody that cared and that plant was tended and then it goes through all the stages of from leaf to flower to fruit and then it's harvested with reverence and taking dead things like your compost and you're feeding that back to this living plant. You know, all those things, they're all energetics and they're all energies. And so when those are all positive and loving and there's a lot of good intention behind it, then naturally what you're going to ingest into your physical vessel is going to be good, you know, positive energy. Mm -hmm. and my, my, my mom used to talk to her plants and she said when she talked to those plants, they seemed to grow better and live better. Absolutely. And any any living thing that you give your your time or attention to, which what do you give your time and attention to? Any living thing that you give time and attention to is going to thrive. They sense it. I, I'm I'm fairly sure. You know, I always kind of like laugh about vegans because there's a whole there's a book called The Secret Life of Plants mm -hmm. that plants actually can feel. And so it's like the vegan thing of like no animals were harmed. Well, you're eating lots of plants, and then when you're eating soybean products that have been doused and soaked in glyphosate, which is Roundup, genetically modified to be able to withstand that. And I just want folks to understand this that if you're eating anything that is genetically modified let's just talk about the soybeans and, le and let's start reading your labels about what soy how many soy products are in what we consume processed foods and how genetically modified soybeans from monsanto work they're called roundup ready so what they did was they edited the gene in the plant so that they could spray as much of this weed killer glyphosate onto the plants and it would not kill the soybean plants, but it would kill all the other plants in the field. Mm -hmm. and, and when you think about it face value, that sounds like a very, uh, I guess, economical, um, technological advancement because you don't want to eat weeds, you want to eat the soybeans. But why don't they think the next step? Well, what are we doing to the soybean? Yeah, and they don't think about they don't even think about what it's doing to the people consuming the soybeans. Yeah, yeah, they're even further. Looking, they're looking at one thing, one problem. Oh, we have plants that are growing in our soybean field that we don't want. Because I don't think there are, I mean, plants are plants. They're not weeds. You may not want them to grow where they're growing, and therefore you refer to them as a weed, but they're just a plant, and they're just trying to express themselves. And what has happened with these things is they have created these, what they call super weeds. 
So now they're resistant, becoming they're, the plants are learning and they're becoming resistant to the glyphosate. Mm-hmm. But they're eating soybeans that are not organic. They are literally being soaked in weed killer. Mm. And then they're being processed. And then you and your family in consuming them, as well as like people that are vegetarians and vegans. And they're also fed to a lot of um, animals in the industrialized food system. Oh, yeah. And farming system so yeah it's just a it's it's a big rabbit hole to go down mm. but just when you think about that energetically that's what people have been putting in their bodies and of course the oligarchy knows about it and they know probably most of your oligarchs are eating organic because they know mm. and you know some people say oh organics elitist or whatever and and, and there has become a huge business of organic mm-hmm. i'm at that point in my life where we're like beyond organic mm-hmm. i mean can you really uh, even trust the label that they put on here as organic yeah exactly Unless if it's you, good for business you know, if they're going to make more money off people buying organic food but it's not really the healthy organic food they're thinking they're buying and you know if they're going to lie to us about landing on the moon they're going to lie to us about anything <laughs> <laughs> you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth I mean, they're going to, they, they lie whatever they need to lie about, you know, they, they basically are a bunch of narcissists and mm. they tell people what they think they want to hear. Right. There and you go. I, I would say that in, in this day and age right now to qualify to be uh, any type of representative slash politician that, you know, you're basically a doing what you're told or be you're a narcissist. And you're willing to do whatever it takes to stay in the position that you're in. And it's not about representing the people or being a voice for the people or anything else. I mean, nobody's ever really a voice for the people. They're really, they're either, they're either part of the problem or they are a, they're being used by the problem as a part. Yeah. And it's. You know, the the old bourgeoisie, you know. (laughs) What did you say? Bourgeoisie. No, the old the old bourgeoisie. Okay, I thought know? you made up a new word. I thought you made up a new word. I thought you said food bourgeoisie or something. <laughs> bourgeoisie, you know. I'm and and just so everybody, anybody who wants to know, I'm I'm not a communist either. So I'm a communitarian, which is different. Right. But. right. I heard I heard Arn Ra on an interview the other day. He said that he was an epistemist. Epistemology, the study of learning how do you learn. He said he was an epistemist. Now he's a famous atheist, but I thought that was a unique way of putting, um, you know, like saying you're a episcatarian. You know, I used to be a Baptist, but I didn't get enough food. <laughs> yeah. So language, language is key in intent and design, and also in control and power of the masses. You know, we're thinking one thing, like legalese, a whole nother type of language. If you're not a lawyer, liar, then you're not going to really understand it. But then there you are thrusted into this legal system, expected to fend for your own. You know, good luck with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when you start studying about maritime law and Black's Law Dictionary oh, and double speak mm-hmm. and all the things and how you can go through the process and, and basically get out of it if you know the right words to use. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. It's, it's just when you when you really start to dig into these, um, you know, I want to say they're almost like mirages um, mm. that are created because they know exactly what they're doing. Right, right. 
And I, I, like earlier, Sylvia, you said that your your father worked during the Manhattan Project and all that stuff, so the secret city. So what was the big secret? It wasn't so much that we had a bomb. The secret was that the bomb is mythological and never will work. We're going to use this against the masses. And, you know, power and control over that. And there's a whole episode, if you want to tune in, about uh, the fake nukes earlier in this podcast. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's fear-mongering, fear-porn. And then Smedley Butler comes along and tries to expose a takeover of the government. And they think he's got tinfoil sticking out of his hat. Yeah, you know, my dad I was my dad was in the Air Force in the early 50s and heard Smedley Butler talk, speak, and it changed everything. He went and started doing a lot of research and amazed at what he learned but then he also found out you know he wanted to tell everybody about what he learned but not too many people wanted to hear what he had to say i appeared before the congressional committee the highest representation of the american people under subpoena to tell what i knew of activities which i believe might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship War is a racket. It always has been. It is possibly the oldest, easily the most profitable, surely the most vicious. It is the only one international in scope. It is the only one in which the profits are reckoned in dollars and the losses in lives. The plan as outlined to me was to form an organization of veterans, to use as a bluff or as a club at least, to intimidate the government and break down our democratic institution. The upshot of the whole thing was that I was supposed to lead an organization of 500,000 men, which would be able to take over the functions of government. I talked with an investigator for this committee who came to me with a subpoena on Sunday, November 18th. He told me they had unearthed evidence linking my name with several such veteran organizations. As it then seemed to me to be getting serious, I felt it was my duty to tell all I knew of such activities to this committee. My main interest in all this this is to preserve our democratic institution. I want to retain the right to vote, the right to speak freely, and the right to write. If we maintain these basic principles, our democracy is safe. No dictatorship can exist with suffrage, freedom of speech, and press. War is a racket. Yeah, yeah. There's that mind control, you know. Um, mm -hmm. when, you, when you speak above the fray, because you have an absolute warning to give everyone, you have truth, you have something to share. You... But if you're the only one, the lone voice, and, and the masses are don't, you know, you kind of stick out, and you're not trustworthy to them. And because if you're not repeating what's being said in the mainstream media mm. on the news, handle. <laughs> if you're not repeating that, if you have anything else to say, the truth, other than the mainstream narrative, then of course, I mean, you're gonna sound unstable or whatever because. That's not the message. I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. They very clearly, I mean, you just do a little research on Edward Bernays, B-E-R-N-A-Y-S, mm -hmm. and what he did. Public relations day. extraordinaire. Public relations, he, the, the father of public relations. Well, what, what did he need to do public relations for? Well, this was back in the early, in the teens, and the oligarchs that were running the United States at that time, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the, you know, all of those families, mm -hmm. they were getting really bad PR because they were horrible. They're just as horrible as they are now. And there was no such thing as public relations. And Edward Bernays was the one that came along and was like, hey, you can do some good stuff and then we'll, we'll spin all that. So you can do all the bad stuff you want. Mm -hmm. 
and then you'll have a foundation and we'll say that your foundation does these things or whatever and, and we'll take pictures of you and put it in the newspaper that you gave some money to something or whatever whatever the thing was that they needed to do to make oligarchs look better to the public because during the time of striking a lot of the people being tired of being manipulated the masses yeah, and so, and then that's gone over really well, that Edward Bernays, all the work that he's done. Oh, yeah. We and have whole, is it one, whole, one of his relatives, descendants, is uh, head of the Netflix um, corporation. Oh, really? I heard, um, and they're using now, rather than just advertising to sway the people's minds, just use programming, good old TV shows, oh, yeah. and, and then they want you to binge on it. It's almost like eating. <laughs> you know, it's like, who ordered all of this? By order of the Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Well, it is. You know, it's it's just uh, junk food for the mind, yeah. right? There you go. Instead of a quart of ice cream to binge on, it's a whole series of indoctrination to sway your little Bernays mind think. Yeah, totally. And then they and throw the commercials in there on top of that. So you talk about programming within programming. Oh, my God. How do, how does anybody get out of any of this? Yeah. How do they get out? That's a good question. But people you know? do get out. People do get out. And I like to refer to them as the other 1%. So how can we maybe talk in the little bit of time that we have left? How can we talk about getting people to awaken and, and see what's going on to them? Flip the script. What can we do? How do we encourage people? So maybe talk a little about your story, Sylvia. When your father was doing his research, what was the thing that clicked, ding, in your mind that, hey, something's not right here? Well, I guess the first thing that my dad said to me, and this is when I was adult, he was talking about the trails, white stripes in the sky. Call them whatever you want. It doesn't really matter what we call them. Somebody's going to have an opinion about it. But my dad was a pilot. He actually held the record for soloing um, in the state of Tennessee at 15 with the shortest amount of um, flight hours. So he was like, that is not the exhaust from planes. He was like pointing it out to us in the sky. And I don't remember seeing that until when I was a kid. I remember blue skies and puffy clouds and you never saw that. Occasionally you'd see, and he would show me the difference if we were driving together. My dad would be like, look, that's that's something that's being sprayed out of that plane. And look over here, this is an actual exhaust because watch how it goes and it dissipates. And you can see the same thing going on in the sky. And you know how many people actually look up? Now they've actually put the trails, whatever you want to call them, in movies and stuff for kids to make it look like, okay, well, this is what the sky is supposed to look like. But it certainly didn't look like that when we were kids. And when my dad pointed that out to me and I started to learn more and then I started putting two and two together about the food and that we were being lied to by the FDA and the USDA. You know, the USDA is like horrible. I, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent on this different subject. But no, go literally, on, go on, go on, go on. Literally, I buy food from a farm and um, and I think they're religious based farm and you have to join as a member to buy food from them. And they came to this farm and they threatened to destroy thousands of pounds of food because they want the farm to process their meat with citric acid, which does not come from citrus. 
Mostly it comes from genetically modified corn. And many people have uh, allergic reactions to citric acid and have problems with anything genetically modified. It causes a lot of problems in their stomach and their gut. $200,000 fine. Plus, if they, they didn't get rid of all this meat by a certain time, they were going to destroy it. And it's a buying club. It's a private buying club. It's not e- They're not even selling their product to the general public. Can you, can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, you know, you can't have pockets of evidence to the contrary of the mainstream. Exactly. Not at all. Because that gets out, especially in today's social media viral age, just a little story of truth sent the wrong way that the mainstreamers don't want it sent can take down a house of cards. Absolutely. And you know, when, when I started discovering these things and I was like, how, how do they sell food that's like this? How do they do that? How does it get, how do they get away with it? And it does take you down through all these things. And then I had to like go through like a, like a depression of sorts of coming to the realization that much of my worldview was, had been, um, constructed through indoctrination, through public schooling through television and radio and even like some book a lot of what i thought to be true or good or okay was not and i you know it was almost like dying a small death there was like a part of me that had to like had to like let her die because once i made those realizations because then there's the like oh i don't want to change and i didn't want to change to be like you know, you should change. (laughs) And I mean, so from there, I imagine I could have gone back to sleep in some ways, but I don't, because the kind of mind that I have, Mm -hmm. it would have always been there in the back of my mind. There's times that I think back today, what if I would have never left the suburbs? You know, what if I would have never had these realizations and left the suburbs and what would I be like now? Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I could have even survived that. All right. We're about to wrap up the interview here today with my first guest ever, Sylvia Watson. And Sylvia, I really, really do appreciate your insights in today's interview. What are some parting words of wisdom that you'd like to give us? Wow. I don't know. I would say I love that Edward Abbey quote about America. You know, the United States used to be a, something about craftspeople and farmers. And yeah, I'd love to see us transition back into a, a world that where we really have a lot of reverence for the land and the soil and the plants and what we nourish our bodies with. And yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, we didn't get to talk about the native tribal communities that existed here before the land was raped and stolen from them and all their wonderful things they have contributed to using, uh, I guess you could say, Mother Earth as a nutritional resource and as a companion friend. Maybe we can talk about that on the next podcast we do. That sounds great. I really appreciate talking to you and your perspective. Great interview once again, Sylvia. Thank you for being my guest today. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you. If anyone's interested in contacting Sylvia, she has an email address she'd like to share with you. And it is simply sylviawatson888 at protonmail.com. Again, that's Sylvia Watson, spelled S-Y-L-V-I-A-W-A-T-S-O-N-888 at protonmail.com. I'll also put that in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in today for our first ever interview with Sylvia Watson, herbalist, and all of her insights that she's shared here for today. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in next time when my guest is going to be Mr. 
Tim Foyle from across the pond. He's going to be sharing with us some insights about how people are controlled by these oligarchical views and why people don't really want to talk about the conspiracy theorist mindset, why people may be embarrassed uh, to even talk about it. Here's a little excerpt for the interview next time on episode 22 with Tim Foyle. Corralling uh, people in these web outlets, don't you think? You see That's that? the thing. I do think that. And it's the same kind of things happening on Facebook where people, you know, or any of these um, platforms where it's not that you're silenced, but you're, you're silenced from certain areas, you know, mm -hmm. you're blocked from certain areas. So you feel as if you can still speak your mind, but only people that agree with you are going to be the ones that you're talking to. Right. And uh, it's dangerous stuff. People are people are scared. It's completely misrepresented. Of course, the whole thing's everything's misrepresented. He says, "Oh, people are scared of taking the vaccine," um, but there's one thing that's stronger than fear, and that's love. And uh, if you really care about your grandma, then you should take the fucking vaccine. Mm. Oh <laughs> wow! Like, it's just like un unbelievable. Yeah, and when I mean, I think the thing you know with. A lot of what's happening now is this uh, the divide with you know science and the science is so complicated that no one could possibly understand so you just have to trust the scientists <laughs> tim has authored several articles that are currently on the alternative media bandwagon including on the psychology of the conspiracy denier a close in-depth look at why people just can't bring themselves to understand that they're being duped by oligarchs it's going to be a very interesting interview i invite you to tune in and it'll be coming up soon on click here you might recall that there is an episode on click here an earlier one where i read the article in its entirety from mr foyle i want to tune into that and get a little uh, background homework going studying until uh the next time when we can interview tim himself Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time on Click Here. This is Art saying goodbye and keep handling the truth. You're listening to the Click Here podcast, brought to you by New Airwaves Audio Productions. Mm -hmm.